Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Football is back, and so is winning season at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet, or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now and register an account for free. When you're ready to make your first deposit, just use promo code TSUS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code TSUS to claim your deposit bonus and, for a limited time, a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TS. U.S. to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it! We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our good friend Chris Marler of Saturday Down South of Saturday Football Uncensored. Chris, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, it's a long five days of football, but it was a good five days of football. I am dragging a little bit today, but <laughs> excited to be here, as always. How much enjoyment did you take in watching Clemson get beat down by Duke last night? Because I, I feel like everyone in the SEC has a – Gamecock fans more so, but everybody in the SEC has, like, this mutual hatred for Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. Like, how much did you enjoy that? Not as much as anybody, or you or anybody else here, for sure. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I, yeah, I, like, it was, like, one of those things that, as it was happening, I was, I was, like, laughing hysterically the whole time. Like, it wasn't even, like, oh, my God, Duke's winning. It was just, like, I just couldn't, I was, like, laughing maniacally, because it was... I mean, this is a, he's just done everything in the most asshole way possible. And, like, there's not a less likable person for really no reason. He's done – he's seemingly done a lot of stuff the right way, but he just, like, has rubbed people's – you know he reminds me of? And I'll just say this. I shouldn't give this guy any fucking time of day. Excuse my language. But it's, like, big game boomer type shit where it's, like, I swear I'm going to leave. I'm not I'm not going to stay in this job anymore. I'll just go to the NFL. Well, I get news for you, Dad. Well, nobody in the NFL wants you anymore, for one. And then, two, like – You've made no adjustments to like the modern era of college football, what it is now. And maybe that's because your convictions or your morals or values or whatever, but it's not going to be winning football. And it's, it, it is horrible for their fans and that program, but he's going to have to learn the hard way. So now, Chris, I know you showed up today wanting your roses. So I'm going to give them to you. LSU. Not anything I predicted on this show. Well, I, I just, from the LSU thing, um, we spend the ent- a lot of folks spend the entire preseason crowning LSU and great first half. That was a great game, but man, Florida State just just took it to them. And I, I'll tell you this: I don't think LSU's dead or anything. I left more so impressed with FSU and the weapons they have and Jordan Travis. And but I, I, I saw you on social media Sunday night. I know you were you were somewhat enjoying that. But to to your credit, again, this yeah. is where the roses part comes in. To your credit. All of the concerns that you had brought up when you when you play a team like Florida State, it, it just it shines light on it, and that's exactly what happened Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, it's it stuff like I don't I don't think that LSU's dead by any means either. I think that there's like a lot of time in the season left, and like they started they lost this game last year, right? They didn't lose it in the same way they lost it this year. But like, I mean, my whole thing is it, it's it's become this whole like oh no, the consequences of my own actions type thing where you're like. Man, you spent the entire offseason bragging about like what it was, and I was I, I was getting flack and pushback because, in my opinion, and I'm very vocal, you know, I'm pretty vocal about who I pull for, and 
the moment you say something like, oh, this is what I think, and it's opposed to your team, it just gets deduced to being like, well, he's a Bama fan. He's just being a homer. But, like, I don't, again, I'm not saying they're going to go five and seven, but the blueprint for the offseason hype was the exact same model as we saw with 2021 AM, which is you had a, a win that was like two thirds of the way through the season against Alabama, very close, last play of the game. I mean, if you take a step back now, because like you, you look at what Brian Kelly's done, the whole thing from an LSU standpoint is like, well, you were evenly matched on the field, right? You're evenly matched with Florida State. So the edge should go to you because you have a, a future Hall of Fame head coach who has over 260, 270 career wins at the collegiate level. And you get your doors blown off by an FSU team that people were, they were like pointing the finger at them, them being like the Texas or whoever. It's like, oh, we've heard this before. They're not back. They're, they're like, they always choke. And, and I mean, they took it to LSU. And like, if we're being even more honest about it, like you take a step back. They're, LSU's one and three in their last three games. And they've, they've gotten blown out by Florida State. They got blown out by Georgia. And they got blown out by Texas A&M. So, like, I just – I have a hard – like, it just – you got to have – you got to stack wins better than I think LSU's been able to do. And they just didn't do it on Sunday either. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Chris, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where the Gamecocks also were a team that got, I would call it, thoroughly embarrassed. Yeah. uh, Surrendering nine sacks in a single game, 16 tackles for loss for North Carolina. Spencer Rattler, amidst all that, somehow played a pretty damn solid game going 30 of 39, 354. Didn't turn the football over, which I left very encouraged about. But we talked about it all preseason long that the line of scrimmage offensively, defensively, it's not, and it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, right? Everybody wants to talk about the, the receivers and the quarterback and the, the yeah. skill position players, well, but Bob, that's Bob, where Bob it's one and lost. Oh, well, sexy. So, <laughs> indeed. But I mean, that, that's, you know, that's where it's won and lost. And you get zero pressure on Drake May, zero mm-hmm. sacks. He's playing seven on seven out there. And, you know, I think it's more concerning, Chris, with that offensive line because I, I just, I don't know where you find the answers necessarily. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on that game and how disappointing was that, right? Because again, you talk SEC football. I mean, just mm-hmm. from an SEC perspective, like to see South Carolina get dominated in that fashion, you know, I, I think most folks thought this was a 50-50 game. I, I don't think anybody saw the Gamecocks losing the way in which they did. 
No, and it makes sense though when you look back at it. I, I think like the first thing you have to do is give credit to UNC, and that's something I think that not a lot of us have done a great job of because like they were the they were the favorite, but it's also like I, I came on this show and I was like, I think Carolina wins by ten plus points. So thanks for clipping that and letting it live forever on the internet. Um, <laughs> but like UNC, I, I will say the first thing that I, I didn't do a good enough job of like when looking at this team was I I didn't realize how good Drake May was. I knew how good Drake May was last year when he had Phil Longo's OC and he had you know, receivers galore, and, and, and but he lost his top two receivers. I didn't realize he still had that kind of dog in him where he was going to go out there and, like, it wasn't like he had to will the team to victory. But, I mean, Drake May is a fucking baller. Like, that kid is very good, very good. Um, South Carolina, well, and the other part is you have to give credit to Gene Chizik and that defense because that defense was horrible last year. And I, and I kept saying it, you know, like, I mean, they were giving up a ton of points. You look at, like, what they were able to win a season ago – they had six of their eight wins uh, against P- or against FBS opponents um, were by a touchdown or less. Five of the eight were by three points or less. Um, and the defense was pretty atrocious in a lot of those games. Gene Chizik comes out. You have 17 total sacks all of last season through 14 games. 17 total in 14 games. You come out in game one and have nine. Um, tremendous job by them. But, yeah, it's also a very piss-poor job from, from South Carolina's standpoint because it's like you've had, you had an all-off-season to build up all the momentum you had from last year. You had all offseason to do it. You brought in great recruiting classes. Like the, the vibes are high. They, they've been at like a, maybe the, the, a five-year high or six-year high. They've been in South Carolina, right? And you go into the season with a winnable game. UNC is not a world beater. It's a winnable game. And your offensive line is that bad. I remember saying before Spencer Rattler came to South Carolina, the biggest issue he's going to have is not playmakers at running back and receiver and tight end and all that kind of stuff. He had 11 offensive linemen that were four stars or higher at Oklahoma. When he came to South Carolina last year, he had one. And they've improved upon that. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure it's, you know, it's, it's more. But the talent level is drastically different. And it is, like, there's, there's maybe UNC has improved the most of any defense in the country. But to have that happen to you all night, you posted a video, they're getting, they're getting beat five on three. It's fucking inex- inexcusable. It's, it's, it's inexcusable to have that happen, especially in game one, because it's not like you were overlooking them to play, who, Furman this week? You didn't have Georgia on the back end that's scheduled to like next week. Like it's inexcusable from Shane Beamer. And I, I love Beamer to death. I think we all do, but at some point in this program, you're going to have to start expecting to win games like that, that are winnable games. And, and this was, this is, this was not that. Chris, it's only one game, obviously, but how does this change your outlook for South Carolina in this season because again I just don't know where the answers come from in the offensive line good news is I guess they can't be worse uh, at least right. I would hope so but does this you know again you don't want to like radically change perceptions after one week but I mean yeah. you know Chris I-, I think for a lot of folks in the Gamecocks fan base that maybe thought this could be like that breakout nine and three year or god forbid better I think that was – I said it yesterday on the show this way, Chris. There's some people in the fan base that got bitch-slapped with reality. And I, I don't know yeah. how else to phrase it because when you lose like that, you have to come to the realization that like maybe this football team isn't what you thought it was or isn't going to be what you thought it was going to be. It'll be interesting to say the least because you, you have a month of September that you not only, in my opinion, are going to leave the month with a losing record, but like you're going to leave the month – potentially getting absolutely embarrassed uh, by, by three teams. And the North Carolina game was embarrassing enough. Um, 
some people thought this was like a high point, but that one fat guy eating a whole tub of mayonnaise, I don't think it helped. I don't, I'll be honest. I don't think it helped the, the optics of the situation. Um, not, a, not at all. <laughs> no, but like, but Georgia, and the thing with Georgia is like, not only is it on the road, but it's, it's like Kirby Smart has dominated South Carolina. Kirby Smart, for whatever reason, hates Shane Beamer. I don't know why. But like, that is going to be a nightmare to deal with that defense. And then the other thing is, I don't know if you watched the Tennessee-Virginia game, but like, you yes. kind of they look really good. How, really good and really good up front got to the quarterback a ton um and and that's so like the concern for me is like because it's one thing to you don't want to like the, the end of the season on such a positive note last year right and and that's great to build off of you would think going into this year but now you're looking kind of down like the barrel of a gun it's like all right well you're going to lose to georgia you got to play tennessee on the road in a revenge game that's not going to be easy like uh, you're Glass half full, you're probably better than Clemson as of yesterday. As of yesterday, but they might improve. I think that like it'll be interesting to see what the the like the attitude of the fan base is because this is something we haven't seen in the Shane Beamer era yet, which is like you kind of got to hold his feet to the fire. And we may like the guy, but he's got a job to get done. And if you leave the month of September two and three, and your three losses are by an average of like twenty plus points, which is a very very real possibility, how does the fan base take that? Like and then and then in the day of the portal, like in like this era of football, how do the players take that? Is Beamer able to keep that locker together? I think he's a great culture guy. I think I think that he will be able to do that, but like he hasn't had to do that yet. So you wonder where that's going to be. And I'll I'll just throw one last thing out here. I saw somebody posted in your comments or on here earlier, or I forgot where it was. But this guy needs a fucking statue built for him. It's the best point that anybody made. You're the University of South Carolina. You're trying to be taken seriously in football. There's no fucking reason you trot out three former quarterbacks or current quarterbacks on the field at the same time at various positions. Recruit better at skill positions or, or figure out something else. But looking on a TV and being like, Spencer Rattler is faking to Dak Joyner in motion and then hitting Luke Doty on a crossing route. I was like, what kind of fucking injury plague seven on seven high school shit is this? Like, it was just, it was terrible. My language is awful today. I'm sorry. The Spurs Up show is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. The Spurs Up show is also brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app or head over to GameTime.co and use the promo code Spurs up for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's promo code SPURSUP, S-P or S-U-P, for $20 off 
your first purchase. Game time is the best ticket buying app available that removes all the stress of the ticket buying process. They have things like images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Guys, you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. And also tickets, they're sent directly to your phone. So no more scrambling, searching through your email, trying to find the tickets you just bought. Whether it be the Gamecocks, a concert, a comedy club event, you name it, whatever the event is, Buying tickets shouldn't be stressful, and Game Time is the way to go. Again, that's our friends at Game Time. Go download the Game Time app or go to GameTime.co. And when you do, create an account and use promo code SPURSUP. That's S-P-U-R-S-U-P for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. No, you're fine. I mean, it's it's embarrassing to, 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 to find the right word. It's... it's uh. Yeah, but you're at that point. Let's let's get off the subject. More fun things, Chris. Uh, to Tuscaloosa, Jalen Milrow, I thought was very good. Um, oh, did all, you? I did. I did. We all know he's a great athlete, but I loved his touch on the deep ball. I mean, the real test obviously is going to come this weekend. But yeah. your thoughts on this? And I thought it was interesting too that Buckner was the first one off the bench. I don't know if that really means anything, but your it thoughts does. on just the way the you know, and, and I thought. My biggest thing was this, and I said yesterday, Chris, I was like, you know, it's unfair that we spend or that we spent months talking about the quarterback position, and then you uh-huh. knew there were going to be some people that, oh, well, it was Middle Tennessee State. Like, who gives a damn? Oh, like, yeah. you know, we, I mean, we got to give some credit to, like, you know, the talent shine. Like, at least give the credit there. But, so your thoughts on, you know, what your expectations were going in, were they exceeded? I mean, again, yeah. it is Middle Tennessee, but a dominating performance. I think a lot of people left really impressed with uh, Alabama on Saturday night. Middle Tennessee was an eight and five team last year that put up forty four points on Miami and beat Miami. Yes, and You're beat right. Miami, and, yeah. and that was against the same defensive coordinator that faced them on Saturday. So, um, my the Milro thing was awesome. Five five touchdowns, first game of the season. Um, only quarterback in, in program history to have three. Uh, I don't like the fact that my hair is just like lipping out. Or, it's, it's, it's really bothering me. Your hair looks um, beautiful, Marler. Three, three touchdowns in the air, two in the ground. It's the first quarterback in program history to do that. There's a lot of stuff you could be made to, to like a lot of stuff to be said about how great he played. If we're giving out roses, and this is going to, there's going to be so many eye rolls when I say this, but it's legitimate. And just hear me out when I say it. I'm going to give one. To Nick Saban and the coaching staff, because I sat here for nine fucking months and heard all these people tell me he was washed and he like, you know, that he's he's like on the back end of his career and like how bad they've been. Oh, my God, these coordinator hires are terrible. And then you take a step back and you're like, well, hold on a second. The guy you told me they should have gotten last night for Clemson put up seven total points in the second straight game on a national stage that he's had with Garrett Riley. Like Mike Bobo at Georgia struggled tremendously at the start of that game against UT Martin, Tommy Reese comes out and has a, his quarterback that, like, no one believed in, like, besides maybe Bama fans. There's a, there's a ceiling on it. I heard Aaron Murray. I heard Jordan Rogers say it nonstop. This is the biggest question mark you have. And then you look up at the end of the game, and it's like, sure, it's Middle Tennessee State. But, man, the kid was 72% completion percentage, was able to throw at every single, like, level and every single part of the route tree where you're able to, like, hit balls deep. You're able to get people open. You're able to incorporate eight different receivers into the passing game. Um, what I would give the biggest – like like applause to is that Saban goes out and hires these two guys. You have from a number standpoint, a third down, the efficiency they had on third down, they were 77% conversions. That's the highest they've had. In, it was higher than any game in the Bill O'Brien era. 
and it's the third highest conversion they've had when it matters on third down in the last 10 years combined. Then you talk about the defense side of the ball getting like two turnovers. That may not sound like a lot because it's it's not. If you're, you know, like Bam fans are used to better defense, that's the only time. They didn't have a single game in the regular season last year where they ended the game plus two. You had eight of their 11 games against Power Five or against FPS opponents where they did not record an interception in, in, in the game, which is almost impossible to do when you have Will Anderson come off the edge and pressuring the quarterback. They did that immediately in, in the first uh, first game of the year. And then the last but not least, like – the whole thing about the discipline and how Saban's lost its edge, you have two penalties for 19 yards. It's the fewest penalties they've had in a single game in the last 50 total games. And Buckner, it's like a cherry on top with Buckner coming out of second. I was losing my mind because I didn't think he was good enough to be second, right? Like, I, 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 I think I made the joke, like, if Tyler Buckner sees the field, I will legitimately become a Georgia fan as, as I get accused of all that on Twitter. But with all of those things I just said, and then Tyler Buckner seeing the field second over the guy Ty Simpson that everyone thought was going to win the job, Hear me out here, but it's almost like Saban knew what he was doing the whole fucking time. Shocker. <laughs> Stunning. Stunning. Chris, the rest of the slate, it was Cupcake Saturday, obviously. A, a lot of blowouts. I know that since you and I last spoke, we did not mention the or talk about the, the Florida-Utah game. Gators get beat down pretty good in Salt Lake City. Um, anything else that jumped out to you from week one? Again, there were a lot of Cupcake games. Um you know, not much you can really draw conclusions from. Did, did anything stand out to you specifically from that other, the rest of the slate of the games, if you will? So the, the Florida stuff I thought was overblown a little bit. Um, this whole thing, like they, they walked into a nightmare of like, you know, they're playing the, the two-time defending Pac-12 champs, right? Like Utah, there's not a lot of teams in the SEC or that's on Florida's schedule that I think walk into that stadium and, and win like I, I brought this up like last week yeah. that's why I thought it was like the lock of the week that take the Utah money line and the, and the spread was I mean Utah hadn't outside of the COVID year they hadn't lost a home game since 2018 they they had won like I want to say it was like 19 straight home games and 18 of those were by double digits more by an average of like 26 points per game I they had eight starters out and they had to play a backup quarterback but like Florida is not Florida of days of old like Florida is like a middle of the road at best SEC team right now. And that's not even a knock on Florida. It's kind of a, a, a shout out to like how strong the conference is, but things, you know, I, I didn't think things were as bad as people made them out to be. There's a ton of mental errors, but like Graham Murphs is a lot better than we thought. They had a ton of drops and there's a couple plays like early on that, you know, that if, if they don't make a mental lapse, like they're probably in that game. They just, that's not what good, they, they just do what like non good teams do though, which is, you're close, but you have too many stupid mistakes where you just give the game away. Um, outside of that, on Saturday, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I, I was really impressed with Tennessee's defense. I, like Tennessee played about as, as as inefficient of a first quarter imaginable, and I'll point out the first quarter specifically because that's where I had most of my money on my bets. Uh, shout out to whatever receiver dropped a walk-in touchdown to have the uh, that still pisses me off. But like Milton was kind of what we thought he would be, which is really good at, at, at times and can do stuff that no one else in the country can do with his arm, but also like missed a lot of wide open receivers. And, and like, you know, that scheme's only going to get, that scheme's only so good if, if as the quarterback that's able to run it. So like, if you're able to scheme guys wide open with these wide ass splits they have and the receivers being almost to the sideline, like it doesn't matter if you're sailing the ball five yards over their head. Right. Um, the defense though, the front seven was really, really good. They, they were incredible against the run, especially early on and getting to the quarterback. Um, just trying to go around this. See, I think the, the UGA stuff was hilarious. I mean, that was hilarious. That that was like they didn't struggle really. Like they, <laughs> like 
They put up tremendous numbers at the end of the game. It's a 60-minute football game for a reason. But hearing all offseason from Georgia fans that, like, this was a seamless transition, Beck was better than Stetson, Bobo was under Munkin for a year, um, and, like, clearly, clearly it was just – it was going to be like, you know, we weren't going to miss a beat. And then it's like, oh, wait a second. Mike Bobo is still the same guy that was – was on his way out the door and asked to leave at South Carolina and then asked to leave Auburn and then failed at Colorado state. And like, there's a reason why you wanted him gone less than a decade ago. So that part was, I thought, I thought it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, other than that, man, like I, I really, I really think that like JJ McCarthy was impressive. I know this is outside the sec, but mm-hmm. at, at, at uh, Michigan, it was funny to watch Ohio state struggle, but I like leaving week one, I do think you'd be hard pressed to, to say that Florida state, after that week is isn't the best team in the country mm-hmm. and like they just have dudes i brought this up last week where if you're looking at that roster 18 of the 22 stars they have are, are red shirt juniors or older that have been in college for at least four years the four the four that aren't are three of them are red shirt sophomores that have been in college for three years and then one's a freshman but he was a graduate of the 2020 class like they are just a very veteran team with grown men everywhere and they are really really good because there were times that game could have been 28-7 for LSU. Mm. And Florida State did what great teams do, which is like you weather the storm, you make stops when you have to. You, you even with all the mistakes, like that game, that game might have been worse. They gave a late touchdown that like that was insignificant. Um I, I just I was very, very impressed with Florida State. Mm. Now, Chris, as we look ahead to week two, a great slate of games. Uh, heck, Vandy Wake Forest even's intriguing. Ole Miss Tulane, I think, is gonna be a really fun one. AM and Miami. Auburn and Cal in the late night, but of course the headliner, Alabama hosting Texas. And I, I'm just curious, Marley, because you went on record, yeah, and very clearly stated you were taking Texas to beat Alabama. Do you still stand behind that now? Did anything about Week One change your mind? It, your just overall thoughts on this showdown in Tuscaloosa? It's gonna be a great, great weekend in Tuscaloosa. I'm going, I and can't if you wait. can't make your pick until later in the week, you don't have to. I'm no, just, I can. I'm I mean, just well, I'm curious gonna, I'm gonna if anything. If anything's changed for you about yeah. your view of this game, as Tuesday, as of today, which is Tuesday at like one fifteen in the afternoon, I'm gonna keep my. I'm like I don't know if it's gonna be ten plus points like I was so boldly saying earlier because I, I thought there'd be more concern at quarterback and there still might be like you know it's it was one game you got to stack games together and then and be consistent. Um, I the 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 stuff about Texas. Like Bama beating Texas now and be people being more convinced by it. Um, I, I don't think any of Texas's performance on Saturday should go into that. Like they struggled early against Rice. Like I can't imagine how vanilla that that play or that play calling must have been in game one because you're not showing anything on tape, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that is like fucking old white person with with just sugar-free vanilla ice cream vanilla. Like, it is just, like, like awful. Like, that, there's no way you're showing anything of, of note. I I think Texas still wins that game because I still say that Sark is is better than anyone else when he's on um, on script. And I think they will come out, as you saw last year, as we've seen Sark do a thousand times, when he's on script and they're able to get ahead early. And the one thing we know about this Bama team is, like, how do they respond by if they are down? Right. Like, and, and we, we 
We saw it last year. They got down against LSU, and they were able to come back and play it close, but they lost. We saw it last year against Tennessee. They were down 28-21-7 in the first quarter and, like, 28-10 at one point in the first half. Like, And they came back, but they still lost that game. If Bama's down 14 nothing, I trust the defense to get stops, but I don't know if the offense is going to be – like. And this is not a throw-it-deep-every-time kind of offense. I, I think it's like it's more of a – I don't say dink and dunk, but it's intermediate routes and trying to get the run game going. Um I, I that we that remains to be seen from Tommy Reese's offense. So I, I'm still picking Texas, but it's going to be closer than I think. And the rest of that slate, Chris, what would you say you like the most? I mean, I, I've got the over in Tulane, Ole Miss. I mean, not even from a gambling perspective. I just, yeah. but you know, or if you want to talk gambling, I, how, how did your picks do, by the way? And we uh, pretty well. I had, I had my tough, first losing tough. record, first losing record in in two years in a week. Really, four and six, I went yeah. three. I went three and three, so I'm I'm okay. looking to bounce back as well. But uh, I mean, again, man, I, I think some great games. I'm I'm really excited. I mean, Bama Texas is the obvious. I'm excited to watch. Uh, I guess Ole Miss Tulane and Texas A&M and Miami are both three yeah. thirty. I think those are those are big games for their own respective reasons. And then Auburn going out to the West Coast, and I forgot to mention this one. Mississippi State and Arizona, so there, there's some yeah. there's some intriguing football late as well. I, I'm I'm pumped for the week two slate. Mississippi State Arizona is going to be like 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 the best JV county championship game imaginable. Like that's <laughs> that's about all I'll give that. A um, and M, and I should mention earlier, that is one thing that I was like very very impressed with was A and M, and that is Connor Wegman looked great. I mean, listen, they've got they've got some dudes at receiver. I mean, the, and Wegman is a good quarterback. Um, that is a team that I think that like we love to shit on them because of how bad they did in in last season going five and seven. They were eight and four the year before. So I forget they were nine and one with with really a Bama loss away from making the college football playoff in 2020, right? They've got some dudes at receiver and and they looked different on offense with uh with Petrino. That so there's I, I, maybe I'm dumb looking at this, but there's a couple of road favorites that are like by a touchdown or less that I would just absolutely hammer um right now like Ole Miss going to Tulane I don't know why that's a six-point game um A&M over Miami is like the lock of the week their A&M is going to crush Miami um and there's another one too I can't remember what it is but yeah there's there's a lot of intriguing games from that standpoint um I'll have to look at the slate a little bit more we'll, we'll put bring it up on the podcast but um but yeah man it should be a fun weekend for football Chris Marler of Saturday Down South, Saturday Football Uncensored. Chris, let folks know, by the way, just in case they do not, when the podcast drops, when you guys yeah. release all your content, just so they have an idea on that weekly schedule in season. So we do um, a podcast that comes out every Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, previewing the weekend's games. And then every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time, um, we have a uh, live episode where we recap week one games and go over – um, all that kind of stuff. We have a fun like game day hotline where people get drunk and call in and come complain <laughs> about all the stuff. It's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so that's that's we do that every Sunday. It comes out this week. Uh, the the week one recap came out today. But yeah, Saturday football uncensored. Um, I'm Vern Funquist on social media. Um, fun in moderation, like I always say. There's gonna be times where you probably hate it, but definitely go check out the podcast. It's it's like I said, if you love football and hate, hate the bleep button, you'll love the podcast. Chris, always a pleasure, man. I appreciate you. We'll do it again next week. Sounds good, brother. Yeah, man. Take care.